0: All right, what's up, YouTube? I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, Soundthetrumpetministries.com. and today I want to do a teaching called "Daddy Issues." Okay, I want to do a teaching called "Daddy Issues," and the reason why I want to go here tonight, I believe the Lord was showing me something. You know, just this week, concerning a lot of things that you know, it's so funny how. We speak of sanctification. We speak of getting right with God and doing everything that we need to do. But, you know, it's unfortunate, hey, Sister Sarah, that there are many things that occur with us in our lives and we don't even know why things happen as they do. You know, I mean, I remember even asking myself, were there areas in my life, hey, Sister Tatiana, that weren't right, that needed improvement, you know, needed to be worked on? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry about that, guys. But I remember areas of my life that I felt like I would only get somewhere with the Lord. Hey, Sister Naima, they were areas of my life where I began to have a difficult time, you know, just trying to get it right. You know, wondering why my relationships failed. Wondering why, hey, Brother Daryl, all these things would take place, you know, in my life. But it really came down to the amount of damage that was done. Hey, Sister Teresa, that was done to me, you know, growing up. and and I think that in many ways as a Christian, you really do need both parents. okay? Now one thing I have in my life, I did have both parents in my life. Was it perfect? Were things the way that they should be, you know, at all times? No, you know, there were a lot of areas that I was lacking, but I think that the devil does a lot of things to hurt us. And that's why when we talk about the ministry itself being selfless, we also as families have to be selfless. There's a reason why Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, to esteem the things of your brother more than yourself. These things are so important because I think what really hurts a lot of people in this thing is we become self-loving. And because of that, Paul says, in 2 Timothy chapter three, that there would be dangerous times that would occur because men would be self-loving. But I think what we need to work on the most and what we really need to see this thing in terms of ministry, in terms of family, in terms of dealing with your neighbor, you know, and preaching the gospel is we must be selfless people. Okay. Because I think that the whole thing concerning daddy issues that we're going to be talking about tonight is shared both by men and women. Although much of the emphasis tonight will be focused on women, I think that there is a lot of it that focuses on men. I'll give you an example of this. A lot of people want to talk about homosexuality. You know, A lot of people don't believe it's a sin, but we're going to find in many cases, what even causes that has a lot to do with daddy issues. Even if your daddy molested you himself, even if he wasn't around and someone else did some dirt to you, that hurt you in such a way that it damaged you emotionally, you know, and caused you to have a different perspective on the way that God says that life is supposed to be. You know, there were a lot of kids not having a father in their lives. And we did a teaching on the bastard spirit, but we're gonna put a little bit more emphasis tonight, is that a father is something that is extremely valuable. He's important. A mom is important too. But what you find in this matriarchal society is, Moms are praised, moms are worshipped, moms are you know everything to us, so we say, but the truth of the matter is, I think a dad is that much more important. I don't put one above above another. I think they are both necessary, but if the head of every man is Christ, then that means that that man truly has to be a man of God, and much of what we deal with in this life, much of what happens to us and our children and our wives and everything else has a lot to do with no father present in the home or even when he is, he is not doing the job that he is supposed to. Am I saying that good fathers don't have bad kids? Absolutely not. But I will say that the chances are a lot less when you truly have a father who is a man of God that loves his family And that wants his children to be in subjection to the Lord. There is great weight in having a father in your life. There is a lot of weight and authority behind a dad speaking. Now, most of us will remember this when we were young, okay, that when things would go wrong in the house, the mom would, you know, your mom would probably go off. You know, some of us may have had dictatorial moms that would say whatever she said and and be upset and scream and yell. And at one point it used to work up until you got older. Then you began to realize, well, yeah, she's just mom. She's like that. She complains, she yells. But man, when your dad gets upset in the house and he starts flipping and he starts raising his voice, I'm telling you, whoever's doing the dishes that night will stop and turn around and look. You'll even have the TV. Whoever's watching TV in the back will turn it down. Like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know, that's a lot to do with the authority that God has given men to be able to govern the home. And that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight, daddy issues, because, you know, a lot of us have daddy issues when God is not your father. You know, we we know that God is God and we know that he governs all things, but how many of us know that he's a father? That's why when you go to uh, Romans chapter eight, Jesus talks about, or Paul mentions, that we go up under adoption, where we say, Abba, Father, I mean complete, you know, what you would say, uh, control over the situation. That's your family. When a woman marries, you know, or whatever, she takes the last name of that man. But other than that, you have your daddy's last name. So, you know, a lot of fathers are downplayed today, but a father is absolutely necessary for the home. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about daddy issues. There are a lot of women that have become insecure, that have been hurt, that have been run through the hands of men. Some of them have become lesbian and gone through all sorts of things, all because daddy wasn't home. Daddy didn't give me confidence. Daddy didn't show me he loves me. And I'm not trying to dig up old wounds and hurt people here, but I think it's really important because if God is not your father, or you don't have a dad that is a godly man, that, that governs his home in a godly way, then the next person who comes along and puts his arm around you and calls you your his father, okay, is the devil, or calls you his child. You see, when you're not a child of God, you are a child of the devil. If your dad is not a man of God, he is a man of the devil. And you see, when you've got that going on, you're gonna find a lot of responsibility thrown by the wayside. You're gonna see a lot of things pushed away that shouldn't be. But this has everything to do with daddy issues. And we're gonna get the proper definition of daddy issues. And I wanna say this too, before I forget guys, Sister Tara's sister died. Some of you I was able to reach out to and tell you, and other people did not. So pray for her family. Keep her in prayer, guys. You know, she's pretty strong. She's handling it, she's dealing with it. But, you know, if you can, keep her in prayer because, you know, it's hard to lose a family member and go through things like that. But the good news is, Sister Tara says that her sister got to know the Lord before she died. So, you know, we just pray that God has mercy on her soul. So, you know, keep Sister Tara in prayer. Um, Brother Sal, that I uh, met a couple of days ago, you know, um, a friend, I think it was a Facebook friend of Pastor Price. He's now, uh, he's got a wife that's, um, having chest and I think, um, chest pains and neck pains and arm pains and things like that. So you want to keep them in prayer also. His name is, uh, I think Sal Pacheco. So if you can guys, uh, pray for him also. So here's the true definition of daddy issues. This is the definition. It says, daddy issues is an informal phrase for the psychological challenges resulting from an absent or abnormal relationship with one's father, often manifesting in a distrust of of, or sexual desire for men who act as father figures. It says the result of a messed up relationship with one's father or having an absent father results in younger women chasing older men and even seeking mistreatment in some cases. Uh, This is an example. It says I was uh, dating a 24 year old uh, when I was 38, but I didn't uh, try to dress young. Uh, I was just a major alcoholic and she was the daughter of an alcoholic and had major daddy issues. So, you know, like I said, we're not gonna be trying to dig up old wounds and things like that, but this is for those women out there who have daddy issues, who have not had a dad in a home, who don't have fathers that are doing the things that they they should. I'm here to tell you that you've got a better father that you can choose. You can pray for the one that you have or the one that wasn't there or maybe the one that was passed away. But we must recognize God is a father and he's a better father than any father that we, you and I could have. So you see, if you're missing having a father in your life, give your life to the Lord. And you know, he will be that father and mother to you if you're lacking both. So that's what the purpose of this tonight is all about. It's to address the daddy issue spirit. It's a demon. A lot of it falls under rejection. A lot of it falls under neglect. A lot of it falls under abuse. You know, So these are things that we're going to be tackling and talking about tonight. Why? But so that we can see sisters set free. I'll have one coming up you know, on some brothers too. But, you know, for this one tonight, it's just so rough to see a really good woman walking around with some no good bump, taking all kinds of things from him. And, you know, the, the dad is who actually instills the confidence in the family. The dad is the one that usually lets the girl know that, you know what, you're protected. I'm here. My dad used to tell my sisters this, and he would tell the men that they would date. He says, if you don't like them and you don't want to be bothered with them, then bring them home. But he, one thing he made clear is those are my daughters. And he said, you are not going to wipe your feet on my last name. Now, of course, you know, it's all about Christ. But as I'm older now, I understand what my dad means, because usually when a girl doesn't have a dad in the house or some type of protector, you get some low life that will come in like the big bad wolf and think he can make his way into your home. And do what he wants with your children, just as God the Father wouldn't tolerate it. There is no good dad that will fall by the wayside. That will watch his kids go down to nothing and not be there for them. Okay, so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight: daddy issues. All right, let's pray and let's get right into pr- let's get right into the study. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for another day. Another day not promised to us. And we ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time with my brothers and sisters near and far that we have yet another day to be partakers in your word, to be edified by your spirit, that we may choose life and not death. And we just pray tonight, Lord, that no man's heart be heard in his teaching, that no flesh be glorified. But we pray for the great comforter, for the Holy Ghost, for he that is sent to come unto us and to bring us into all truth and righteousness. We pray, my Lord, my God, tonight that you speak, that you say the things that are necessary that need to be said, that fathers may have an awakening and, him and their daughters. how important that it is to have a father in your life. So I just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you make your presence known, that people know that they can seek you, that you fill every void, that you come into every home, that you may govern it in God's way, that you may mend the broken heart, that you may set the captives free, that your people's eyes, ears, minds, and hearts may be open to receive your truth, that they will be made whole and be in lack of nothing, and not in need of the approval of men. So I just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention and confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, all spirits of fear, doubt, none believe, all bastard spirits, all suicide spirits, all low life spirits, all big bad wolf spirits in Jesus name. I pray God that you raise a standard against the enemy, that you let the devil know that he can't touch what is yours, that which bears your last name. For you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are faithful, just and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray Lord, and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and your honor alone. In Jesus name we pray, amen. All right, so let's get right into this lesson. Let's look at Psalm 68, Psalm 68. And let's look at verse one, as we talk about daddy issues. And I got a couple of articles tonight to read for you guys. You know, very interesting ones because, It's just so sad for us to walk through life and think that we've got this thing figured out. And the truth of the matter is we're broken. The truth of the matter is we're wounded. The truth of the matter is there are there are things in our lives that we think we're healed from. But we've just, you know, built things over, built a callus over just so we won't feel it again, just so we won't deal with it again. But you know what? God is so good that he puts us through these situations in life. That we may trust in him and no one else, that we might be set free, that he may put that ointment on our wounds, that we might truly be healed and not try and fake being something that we're not. So, anyway, Psalm 68. And let's look at verse one. Psalm 68 and one, it says, To the chief musician, a psalm or song of David, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. I'll tell you an interesting thing, too. I don't want to talk too much tonight, but I want to make some points. I remember, I'm not going to say my dad was perfect because I would be lying to you. One thing about my dad was because he was an ex Marine, you know, because he did all these things in his life. I mean, my dad was what you would call a warrior of warriors. I think in many cases, because, you know, He was from Vietnam, you know, and he did all these things as a Marine that he had this type of insensitivity that when he spoke, you know, sometimes it could be boy or girl. It didn't matter. You know, he said what he meant and he meant what he said. And it kind of would shake us to some degree at our core. Now, would I say he didn't love us? No, I'm not going to say that. But I think that because of who he was, you know, and because of, how he lived, that he you know, spoke to us very plain. And yeah, you would get some tears. You know, in some cases we would be rattled. But you know, the other interesting thing about our dad too is that he brought a lot of confidence to the home, or at least to me, because my dad was no joke. When it says here, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. I remember my sisters and I growing up in the projects in Brooklyn, New York. And you know, when you, anybody that ever grew up in the projects, you know that there are dangers everywhere. You know that there were things, there were people that would want to mess with you, take advantage of you. You know, you had gangs all over the place and all this stuff going on. But I remember when we would have problems or, you know, some guy would say something to my mom disrespectfully or to us. And my mom would hold her own. She would say what she felt but man, when they saw my dad coming up the hill, when my dad came to deal with the situation, man, there was so much confidence I had in dad that he took care of business. He was a one-man army. He spoke his mind and he made very clear, no one's going to mess with Mr. Hallett's kids. This is my family. If you've got a problem, then you've got me to deal with. And I remember seeing the so-called thugs all the so-called men out there all the so-called tough guys shaking in their boots and they would never deal with us the way they dealt with other kids in the hood because I had a dad and I still do but the thing is is you know this is this is just reminiscent of how God is when he arises when God sees his children in trouble when you are truly a child of God and you've got things going on you're being mistreated Man, don't think for one second that our God is any different. When he sees one of his hurt, when he sees one of his cry, when he sees one of his stand for him and the devil tries to come in and, you know, um, um, abuse you or hurt you or do things to you. Hey, our God is like any other father. He'll step in. Hey, you know what? I'm going to have to get in this because one of mine is in this situation. So, you know, you want to know God. You want him as a father because when God arises, his enemies will be scattered. And for all those women out there that may not have had a dad in a description like I'm mentioning right now, or for those who have, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it is when dad is there. You know what it is when dad loves you. But if he doesn't, if it so happens that you didn't have a dad like that, guess what? You got one now. You've got God the Father in Jesus Christ, our Lord, that comes to make all things whole and all things new. He can take away the pain. He can instill the confidence and better than any normal father could. He can provide and bring home food. He can protect his. He can give you everything that you need so that you don't have to go to some no good man, get abused, and beg for things that God would naturally do for those who are his children. Look at verse two. He says, as smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Uh, Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God, sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Job and and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. So one thing that is so awesome about God is he is a father to the fatherless. You know, when you look at the whole body of Christ, you look at the whole Godhead, all you see is a family that is totally unselfish. For example, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? Because he wanted to be a father over us, that whosoever would believe would not perish, but have eternal life. So God gave up his prized possession as a father, as the perfect sacrifice that he may have more children. Don't let that shoot by you. But then the son in turn, obeyed the father, was sacrificed on the cross and told his disciples, that they would have another comforter. So Jesus goes back before the father as the perfect sacrifice, and he is the mediator between God and man. He is forever the propitiation for our sins, right there before the father pleading your case and mine. You see two selfless situations, and then you've got the Holy Ghost who comes, who does not come to speak of himself, but only comes to speak of Jesus, that we may know him, that we may be joint heirs with Christ, having God as our father. Not one of them thinks of themselves and neither should the body of Christ. Even if you are a man who may not have children, then father someone else's kids. Get out there and teach them the ways of God. You know, provide, because it says here that the Lord You know, he provides for the widows. He provides for the fatherless. It's the same commandment that he gave that we should not overlook the fatherless and the widows. As a body, as men who govern the church, I agree with Pastor Price, the church is a body of elders, that it is governed by the men. Of course, it's governed by the Holy Ghost, but the men are the foundation. And that's the sort of thing that is necessary to give fatherhood back to the church. For all those bastards out there, all those women without fathers, all those men without fathers, that's what the governing elders of the church are for. Notice Jesus chose 12 disciples and they were all men. And then from there he branched out and he built his church. But notice that it stood on the backs of men because he wanted them also to be fathers to the fatherless that they may have Christ, okay? That they would be secure. So he says, God set up the up the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So you see, for those people that are bound, God always comes to desire to set them free. Why? Because he wants them to have total confidence in him. He wants them to desire him. He wants them to know that, hey, I can provide for you. I can protect you. I can make you whole that you don't have to go after things that are not of God. Because outside of God, outside of the fatherhood of God is the devil. And this is why the devil will send to you, you know, men that are well-dressed, good looking and all that. But really, what are they? The scum of the earth. They use and they abuse women. They use their authority to try and get things from women just to use them up like a no good pimp and move on. But God is telling us today, you don't have to deal with that, ladies. You can give everything over to Christ. You can have true confidence and a real father that loves you and you do not have to seek it from anyone else. And you know what? When your father wants you to be married, here's the thing that he will do he will lead you down the aisle to the man who was also a child of his, who was fit to marry you. So therefore everything will stay in order with how God wants it. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Look at Psalm 27. Man, if God is really your father, he ain't gonna have you done like that. He's gonna look out for you. Psalm 27, look at verse one. It says, a Psalm of David, the Lord. Those are capital letters, okay? That could be God the Father. That can also be Jesus Christ, our Lord. But if there are one, what difference does it make? It says, the Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This is the kind of confidence that I remember having again, you know, with my dad. And I've learned this even more walking with the Lord. To truly be a child of God, you don't have to fear anyone or anything. You can walk with him with confidence because God truly has your back. He calls him his light of his salvation. Whom shall he fear? And he says, the Lord is the strength of his life. Of whom shall he be afraid? He says, when the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. He says, though an host should encamp against me, though an army should come against me, he says, my heart shall not fear, though war should rise against me, and this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So, what he desires is to draw near to God. Many times you've heard David say, The Lord is my refuge and my strength. And this is how we ought to see the Lord, this is how we need to see God as a father. If you belong to the Lord, then you need to follow his guidelines. We need to obey his spirit. We need to do the things that would make our Father pleased in us so that we don't have to stretch outside of that. And I'll give you an example of what daddy issues look like before I forget here. I had this printed out today because I saw it on um you know on the internet, but this is a picture okay of a group of girls It looks like they're at a reception or they're doing something, you know, but you know, they are all dressed up. They are all looking pretty beautiful and they're all ready to take a picture. But you got one girl down here that's pulling up her dress. Hopefully you guys can see it. Okay, and she's exposing what's underneath and she's smiling while the other women are looking at her in horror because they can't believe that a girl would have the tenacity okay or the audacity to throw themselves out there and to do this simply for attention you guys see the difference between a confident woman here and one that is just you know seeking whatever it takes to to gain attention this is what it's all about this is called daddy issues and it says one of every 12 has them so you see this is a very sit- serious situation because this is what we're looking at this is the way that the world is. This is what the devil, when he is your father, will turn you into. He doesn't want you to be a bride for a father, you know, or, or a bride of a father, like a daughter. He wants you to be a whore so that he can go out and pimp you and use you and devalue you and take away everything of value that God gave you, okay, so that you won't to be with God. You won't desire to be clean. You will speak evil of dignities and look down on those things that are not of God. So hopefully you guys have seen this picture clearly, but this is sad. But you see, this is society today. And what is the purpose of it? It has become fatherless, okay? And when the father is moved out, this is what it becomes. So he says, uh, let's see, look at verse five. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou said, seek ye my face. My heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I see. So just like any father would call his child and say, you know what, I need to see you. I need to see you now. Our God can be the same way with his children. When he says, when I tell you to seek my face, he says, your heart will say unto you, thy face, Lord, will I see. There are many times God wants to protect us. He calls us to prayer. He calls us to fasting. He calls us to getting into his word. He calls us to separate from those that would do us harm because evil communications corrupt good manners. So he calls us in these places like a father that protects his children because he wants us to grow upright and not in the ways of evil. Look at verse nine. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou has been my help, leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Look at what he says in verse 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. So you guys see that? When your father or your mother forsakes you, or if they both do, the Lord will take you up because he is an ever-present help in our time of need. He is a father in particular tonight, you come from a royal family. Your God is a father. He is a protector. And I'm here to tell you, he is no joke. He will do anything to protect his kids. And that's where your confidence needs to be, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because just how Jesus Christ would take a man who didn't know him, who was a male, and make him truly a man after God, God is no respecter of persons. God can do the same thing for women. I'm here to tell you, Sister Sarah, Sister Sarah was fresh out of the military, okay? Fresh out of the military. And Sister Sarah was like G.I. Jane. Now, Sister Sarah, I know you're listening tonight, so I'm not trying to put you on blast. I love you, okay? I'm just making the point that when Sister Sarah came out of the military, she was probably more man than she ever was woman at that time. Once the Lord had presented himself to her, worked with her, and started to walk with her and teach her everything that she needed to, Sister Sarah began to grow her hair out. You know, she began to be more ladylike because that's what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost will take the things that are in our lives that are not right and make them over that women may be women and men may be men. That's what fathers do. That's what mothers are for. God is both in one. The Holy Ghost, which is a comforter, which is, you know, it says he, but he has a comforting nature where he works out the rough edges, that he cleanses us out from all unrighteousness and he does the same thing to men. He gives you back your gonads. Just how Pastor Price used to, he wrote a um. He made a teaching years ago called Bulls or get back your gonads or one of them. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But I remember that was the whole thing that he was talking about, men becoming men, women turning back to women. And we will never have the women in the society that we're looking for until the men take back their manhood and desire to truly be men of God, that these things can actually be right, okay? So, Sister Sarah, I'm not trying to put you on blast. I'm just making a point, Sister Sarah. You know, I've seen the Lord work in her life and take so many things out of it to where she truly is a woman of God today. I want to go to one more place. Let's go to uh, let's go to Isaiah chapter uh, three. Isaiah chapter three. Matter of fact. Isaiah chapter three. Just wait there, guys. I'm going to uh, do my first article because I got a couple that I want you guys to hear tonight. But one of them is called, uh, let's see. One is called Dating a Girl with Daddy Issues, 15 Things You Must Know. Okay. Now, mind you, this is worldly. We got the spiritual stuff too but maybe some people who are worldly right now will be able to relate to this about not having a covering, not having a father. So it says dating a girl with daddy issues, 15 things you must know. This is not trying to hurt anybody. This is just making a point. Okay, so it says you hear the phrase, uh, women with daddy issues thrown around a lot in books, movies and TV, but uh, do you know, what it really means to date one. It says, at some point in your life, you may have heard the term daddy issues used in a certain context. Most people use it to describe a woman who tends uh, towards promiscuity. Uh, Is it true? Maybe. Is it the only explanation? Uh, No. Um, uh, That's because promiscuity is not directly linked to daddy issues. There are a lot of reasons a woman might choose to have multiple sex partners or be indiscriminate about the partner she chooses, but it's not necessarily related to having issues with her father. How are daddy issues identified? The term daddy issues was coined by Carl Jung's uh, theory called the Electra complex. This is when a girl displays a form of psychosexual competition with her mother for possession of her father. And that's some crazy stuff. But anyway, it says, in modern culture, the electric complex manifests as a woman's tendency to seek attention from men in order to compensate for the lack of her father's attention. That's why the term developed into its more casual moniker, daddy issues. So it says, what are the signs of a girl that has daddy issues? If you are not if you are not quite sure if you've ever uh, dealt with a woman with daddy issues, here are a few manifestations. This is one. Now mind you guys, I'm not for any of this, okay? This is all about getting saved and knowing Christ, but I'm going to read this because of the fact that it may be able to help those who are dealing with this relate. Because just because you get married don't take away daddy issues. All right. So it says, this is one, sexual aggression. Although women with daddy issues seem to be sexually aggressive, it's not because they uh, put very little value on sex. It's the opposite. Actually, they are more likely to be aggressive because they think that sex can get them into a man's good graces. So, you know, there was some article there. This is two. clinginess. Due to the warped sense of thinking of thinking that came from one item, women with daddy issues will um, misconstrue their situation uh, by begging for attention. Unfortunately, both items of one and two usually backfire because they are done out of desperation instead of affection. This is three. Excessive friendliness towards guys, Women with daddy issues are drawn to men. They revel in their attention. You will likely see this in her response uh, to men and women. She'll usually be warm and friendly toward men, yet cold and aloof towards women. And you know, this is true. I mean, I've dated women with those issues where I would feel like at times, man, how can I even date you when it looks like, man, you smiling in every dude's face? You know, that could be, and it wasn't about me being insecure, but you know, in relationships, there's some things that you do and that you don't do. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Look at four. It says defensive barriers. When a woman feels threatened by the possibility of losing you, her subconscious will take action by cutting you off. She might start a fight, break up with you, or even cheat just to prevent herself from getting the first cut. This is five. Dating older men. This is the most obvious sign, but it is also the one that prejudged frequently. Younger women can date older men because they want to. Um, You know, a woman with daddy issues might date an older man because the guy looks, acts, and feels like her father. Creepy? Yes, but but it's true. So they're making the point here that you can date an older man. That's not the issue. But the question is, why would you? A lot of women with daddy issues are drawn to older men and that's who they'll date because they're still looking for their father. Is it okay to date a woman with daddy issues? A woman with daddy issues is dealing with the loss of her father's presence and affection, whether she knows it or not. While this is true, she does not deserve any less of a man's affection, nor is she subject to the ridicule and judgment that other people place on her. If you're a casual observer who thinks you can label anyone with just a glance, think twice before you shoot off your mouth, I mean, or shoot uh, your mouth off, Most women suffering from daddy issues are in a lot of pain uh, whether they realize it or not. It says, what is it like to date a woman with daddy issues? In terms of dating, women with daddy issues are just like any other girl. The only difference is that you know where her issues come from. Now, isn't that a breath of fresh air? But for transparency's sake, Here are the things that you should expect when you're dating a woman with daddy issues. One, uh, getting her trust will be difficult. If you want a relationship with a woman who has daddy issues, you'll have to jump through a few hoops before you get anything emotional out of her. Now, I'm here to tell you, if these relationships are not in Christ, it doesn't make a difference. We're going to get to the, the biblical way to deal with this as well. I'm just bringing up points that people may be able to identify this spirit that they may choose Christ. So, everything I'm reading tonight, Christ is the answer, okay? This is two, she might push you away at first. She may reject you, dump you, or push you away as much as she can to see if you're willing to stay with her. This is three, she might chase you down. If she likes you and you decide to move on to someone else, there's a possibility that she might go for you. Instead, it's not not so much a reverse psychology thing as much as please love me, I'm sorry I dumped you thing. (laughs) This is four. She will test you over and over again. Once you're in a relationship with her, you might not notice that you're actually engaged in a series of psychological tests your girl has concocted whether you pass or not depends on her sunny or stormy disposition. Now, you see, this is what happens to people. And this is how crazy we can become in the world. Okay, when we won't allow the Lord to fix us, this is the type of stuff you go through in dating. Look at five, she overcompensates. She either goes hard or goes home. Whether you, uh, whatever you need, she will do her best to provide it. That's because she wants to reward your affection or at least buy it. That's only a good thing if you're willing to do your part in the relationship. That's a bad thing because that's witchcraft. So, this is six. She will probably have sex with you on the first date or at least sooner than you think. This is where a woman with daddy issues falters. She perceives sex as a bargaining chip and she thinks that giving in early will seal her fate as a, a girlfriend. Sometimes it works, but most of the time it doesn't. This is seven. She's a people pleaser. She will give you all the help you need. Be there when you feel sick or sad, okay? Um. Oh, and but more affectionate uh, than your own mother. And the sex will probably be awesome. You know what? I don't even want to get into this. Let me just continue because this is starting to bother me. This is eight. She will flirt with other guys, okay? Um. This is nine. Inconsistency upsets her. Now, who won't that upset? This is 10. It's going to be a while before you meet her mother. This is, uh. let's see, any more? No, I believe that's it. Okay, so it says dating girls with daddy issues sounds taxing, but it's not a definite letdown. They can be fickle, hard headed, and complex, but they can also be affectionate, caring, and loving. The last three traits may be enough to make any guy want to date them despite their issues. Now, mind you guys, this is worldly. Okay, so I don't want to date any woman that's not a woman of God, that's not a woman seeking after Jesus Christ or has a relationship because you see, this is what you will deal with. You will jump through hoops, you will go around in circles, you will find that because she is abused, and that goes for any man or woman, that they will become abusers. That's one of the surest signs of daddy issues. I didn't get what I wanted from dad, so now I'm gonna do whatever I can. Instead of being that woman, that is waiting for a man of God to seek after her and desire her, she becomes the huntress. So it becomes a very, you know, um, imbalanced and off track situation. And this is where you'll find women that will become whores. They will be hunting for men. You know, I used to hate to see this guys where you would see like a guy maybe standing there minding his business and a girl will walk by and give him the eye and look him up and down and I mean really seek his attention. I mean, I started seeing this shortly before I got saved, but it was like a thing of desperation. There's nothing worse than a desperate woman seeking after a man's attention just to be seen. And you see, after a while, if you don't give your life to Christ, women become desperate enough to say, you know what? If I can't get a man, then I'll find a hardcore dyke lesbian and call them my man, And I will walk with them all because I've got daddy issues, all because I have no father, no one to instill confidence, no one to make me feel whole, that I'll go and find a rusty, hardcore lesbian with her head shaven, wearing flannel clothes, smoking cigars, and talking like a man. And when I got that, you know what? I'll call myself, you know, I'll really feel like a woman now that I have this lesbian. You see, it's important, guys, that God makes us whole. It's important that he takes away the things that would give us these types of troubles. Because when you don't have confidence in your father or God as your father, you're gonna get raked through the mud and the coals by some no good sons of Satan, no good men, who simply can see the desperation of a woman and say, yeah, man, let me use her and abuse her because after all, that's all she's worth. As Pastor Price said for years, the man don't want you. He wants a latrine to dump loads of semen in. I know that that sounds really vulgar and really nasty, but this this will be the outcome if we won't allow Jesus Christ to become our head. God wants to set you free from all that mess. So let's look at Isaiah chapter three. Let's look at what the devil did because he knew that having a father or having strong men around would throw everything in divine order with God. Look at the first attack of the devil. Isaiah 3, let's look at verse 1. He says, For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, and the whole stay of bread, and the whole stay of water. The mighty man, look at look at who's gone from society. The mighty man is gone and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of 50 and the honorable man and the counselor and the cutting artificer and the eloquent orator. So as you can see, all of these individuals are taken away in society, okay? because the devil wants to get rid of them all right, and look at look at four, and I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. So why are kids ruling over men today and over society? Because men are not standing up to be the men of God, having Christ as their head. You cannot be a man who governs your home if Christ is not your head. You may be a male, you may be a yes, dear type of man, You may be a man that seems nice and like he's cool and that he cares for women, but really all he is is just a woman looking like a man. That's really it. If Christ is not his head, he's just a woman looking like a man. Why? Because he won't take authority when it's necessary, and he will not govern his home in a line with what God wants. He's just a woman looking like a man. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly or rudely or disrespectfully against the ancient and the base against the honorable. When a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, and let this ruin be under thy hand. In that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer, for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. So as you can see, what you have is men taking no responsibility. Oftentimes you'll see in the home because the dad is sitting in his lazy boy doing absolutely nothing, not interacting with his kids, not governing them the way that God wants them to what you will find is that the girl will start to ignore her dad and go to her mom because she'll say, Dad, um, you think, can I do this this week? And, you know, he'll say, oh, well, whatever your mother decides is OK. Even men that take their finances and give them to their wives to manage, you know, in many ways, you're, you're getting rid of your authority. You don't care about what's going on in the home and what needs to be done. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but you see, this is how men become absent. This is how men begin to disappear from the scenes. This is how it turns out that men will have no say and children will have more honor for their mother than for their father. And when you got that, let's look at what happens. So he says, look at verse 8, for Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. The shoe of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin is Sodom, and they hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. So you wouldn't have as much homosexuality wandering around today if men were men. You know why? Because that boy would look at that man and say, that's a man. And that's how I need to live my life. But as you can see, a lot of fathers are too busy being whoremongers and they're running around in the streets doing whatever, leaving their home unprotected. And what happens? You find a lot of boys get molested before the age of 13 because the dad would tell them, yeah, go over your friend's house and hang out. I don't have time for you this weekend. I'm not taking you to the baseball game. We're not going fishing. I do, you know, I got things I need to do. So just go hang out with your friends. And you see, when you're absent, that's when the devil will seep in and and govern your kids for you. There'll be some molester in the house that will do something to your son that will mess him up. You know, 95% of homosexuals Okay, we're molested as children. You guys don't believe me? Look up the statistics. Look up the doctors and the psychologist statistics for those who want to be true. These things happen. When there's no father in the home, there's no protection. But I'll tell you this too, guys, and even for girls, you know, when for when dad is not around, dad's not interacting with me, dad's not making me feel secure, and he's going and doing his thing, then I'm gonna govern myself. I will wander around seeking protection from someone else. I will seek you know, um, to be provided for by someone else. And this is why you'll have a lot of good women out there go after these so-called men that are successful. But really, they're just nothing but wolves in sheep's clothing. They're there to use and abuse and to floss and to get everything they can and use up these girls. So as you can see, When it says they declare their sin is Sodom, they hide it not. That even goes for any father in the home. If you've got a homosexual son or daughter and you say nothing about it, you're just like that old rug that folds up and goes in the closet, you bend under pressure because society is this way today and you say, well, you know, everybody to each his own. You know what? You're not worth the dust it took to make you. Because the bottom line is, you are the protector and the provider for the home. That's why, unless a man has the principles of God and he has the and he has God's spirit, then he cannot stand for that which is right. Why? Because he has no guideline. He governs himself as a man if he models himself after men that work out in the gym. If he models himself after, you know, military men or bouncers or you know these boxers and UFC guys you see on TV, a lot of those guys are homosexual. There's pictures of Floyd May- Mayweather Jr. close to this guy Ortiz before they fight, and they're yelling in each other's faces. They're yelling so hard, you know, or, or so close, they're they're close to one another. They're pretty much kissing. Okay, Anderson Silver came out and said that he was a, um, he said, well, for all you know, he said, there's a lot of uh, MMA fighters in UFC that are homosexual. And he said before, you know, for all you know, I could be one. You see, a lot of these guys are homosexuals. They've gone through these practices. If you model yourself as a man after these stinking rappers that were bent over desks, that were doing all these different things, then that will be your example then you're just a homosexual in waiting. You're just gonna, you know, you, Christ has got to be every man's head because you're gonna find that spirit, that spirit is going all through society. So you're not a man until Christ becomes your head. That's the bottom line. You're not a woman until you have submitted your body and all things over to Christ. You've got to desire to be like him, to be made whole and to be made right. But you know, right here, Now that the men have gone, Sodom and Gomorrah, it says that their homosexuality is everywhere. Look at 10. Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. But woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hand shall be given him. For as for my people, Children are their oppressors, so children are oppressing. Look at the word oppressor, this is H5065. That word is to press, to drive, oppress, exact or exert, exert, demanding pressure. Drivers, taskmasters, rulers, tyrants or lords, exactors of tribute to be hard pressed. So he says, as for his people at this point, now that the men are taken off the scenes, he says, children are the oppressors and women rule over them. Oh, my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. Pastor Price did a teaching years ago called the matriarchal mafia. This is exactly what we're dealing with today. The devil knew that if he could go to Eve and bring her out from under the headship of Adam and of God that he would have what you got in Revelation 17, the whore of Babylon, one that would not submit to God, one that would go after men, one that would have no value or care for herself. These things had taken place because the devil managed to change the divine order of God upside down. And when men are not ruling over society, then you've got what you got today, homosexuality, disrespectful kids, effeminate boys, and and girls that are out there whoring and insecure with no daddy in sight. This is what we're talking about. But everything I'm mentioning here, God can make right. He can fix it if you give it all to him. You know, that's what he's there for. Look at Ephesians uh, chapter four. And after this, I'm gonna read another article for you guys. Ephesians four, guys, let's look at verse one. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering for bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He says there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So the church itself is just a body of believers that has Jesus Christ as Lord and God as a father. But look at what it says in verse six again. He's the father over all, okay, who is above all. So you can go to God for everything and through all. And in you all. So you see, the Holy Spirit, when we have the Spirit of God, He's going to transform your nature to truly make you a woman of God and a man of God that lacks nothing but God. It is said that, you know, the devil is perverting the life and the family structure, He's altering it he's telling you it's okay for two women to be together. Why? Because that dismisses a man, and that will keep you from the headship of God. Then he puts two men together because he knows that the head of every man is Christ, and God made man for the woman, okay? So you will fall out of divine order, having no God as your head, and you know who's going to take you up? The devil. And what is he gonna do with you? He's going to pervert you and tell you that you've done good because he's putting you on a collision course with your father. These are things that we must be made aware of, that we must have understanding of. When God is your father and he's in you, he makes all things new, all things whole. Things will run exactly the way that he wants them to and no other way. So anyway... Let's look at, uh, I want to go to another spot. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I got another article. You guys wait there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And now I'm going to get into the godly stuff because we don't need to read articles about the world. I was just making a point that this spirit is running rampant and a lot of people don't even know that it's here that people are truly dealing with this thing. Okay, so it says the unedited truth. No, that's not what I'm looking for, hold up. Uh, rejection and daddy issues, that's what this is called. Practical theology for women. So now we're on this, this side of things. Okay, so it says, Practical Theology for Women, Rejection and Daddy Issues. It says, I felt rejected by a friend last week. In reality, I don't think they meant it to feel rejecting, but it felt rejecting to me, and it left me crying in my car. Then I started thinking in terms of this article on rejection and daddy issues, which I have already started writing. It may seem weird to immediately start working through my problems by thinking in terms of a blog article, but that harkens back to what this blog was originally, what this blog was originally and how it is best used in my own life. As lectures to myself, I knew to lecture to myself in that moment as I cried in my car, but what was the lecture? What should I preach to myself when I felt so hurt by rejection? Rejection is painful no matter what. I've spent enough time struggling with rejection, sometimes real, sometimes perceived, to know that the balm for the wound of rejection is identity and affirmation. What is my identity? Um, And how does the affirmation it brings It brings uh, me, acquit me to face rejection head on and not be destroyed by it. This was a court issue I journaled through when studying Ephesians, uh, for by his wounds you are healed. God spoke me uh, into creation and gave me an identity in him through Christ that endures through personal rejection. I can endure human rejection because God never rejects me. Nothing can separate me from his love. I have not struggled to believe the love of my heavenly father, uh, probably because my earthly father's love was consistent. Uh, uh, He regularly affirmed me, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt he is proud of his daughters. I also know that if I had a need, I could run to the open arms of both my parents in a moment and they would be there for me. We all need affirmation and identity uh, from a steady, reliable, trustworthy source. Husbands, boyfriends can do this at one level, but I think that um, most women long for a deeper source of affirmation, the affirmation of a father. So it says that husbands and boyfriends, or you know, can uh, give these things to a degree, but the true affirmation this woman is bringing forward here comes from a father. She says, I have written about Beyonce a couple of times lately. She is a fascinating woman for multiple reasons. Now, I disagree. Okay, talented, maybe, but what will that stand up in against the body, you know, against Judgment Day, if it's not of God? There is her obvious vocal and athletic talent, Uh, But I also find it noteworthy that Beyonce got married and had her daughter in that order. Especially since 67% of African American children are raised in a single parent home uh, compared to 25% of Caucasians. But though she has many um, obvious talents, great fame, fortune, and seemingly a sweet personality, I beg to differ. She still chooses to her uh, to use her sexuality as a conduit for most of her art. I wonder why does a woman with so much talent still rely so heavily on sex? So heavily on sex in her performances. She's willingly laid her life bare of late in her HBO documentary Life is but a dream. Her opening narration, the very first words of the documentary, explain it to me. Now, you know, I'm glad this woman brought up Beyonce because, you see, this is not about Beyonce herself choosing to do this, okay? When God is not your father and Beyonce had issues with her dad, from what I hear, that her dad went and married a woman as young as Beyonce and left her mom, now you see things begin to make sense. But here's the other issue that Beyonce, because her daddy sold her off to Hollywood for record deals and contracts, the devil became Beyonce's head, not her father. What father would put his daughter through a society like that, through an institution like that, knowing the nasty, stinking, deprived things that she would have to do, disgusting things just to be who she is? So when he sold his daughter, Over to the devil, the devil became her head. And it's the devil telling Beyonce, who is now probably 37 or 38, you still need to booty shake and get in line with me. This is what happens when a woman, even with someone with Beyonce's talent, even with what she's able to have in life, it still got her to the place of still seeking attention, still seeking love, still seeking to be filled and protected. Only God the Father can give you this. Her own father gave her up. So this is what Beyonce says. She says, I remember running as hard as I could, and my dad knew that I needed his approval. And I think my father wouldn't give it to me because he kept pushing me and kept pushing me and kept pushing me. And every time my dad pushes me, I got better and stronger. I'm still trying to learn that I don't have to push myself and be so hard on myself and be so critical. Well, there you have it. Beyonce sings that that women rule the world, but in the end, her dad still rules her heart. Her longing for affirmation and approval from him haunts her well into her successful career and many accomplishments. And she even married Jay-Z who was also a lot older than her. Hey, Sister Dawn. So it says, the entertainment industry is filled with women with daddy issues, but outside of the entertainment industry is filled with the same. The church is filled with women with the same issues. Our daddy issues spill into our God issues, and then our God issues spill into the rest of our lives. I have many good friends, who have wrestled and are still wrestling with the absence of affirmation from their fathers, or the absence of a father altogether. And the ways that clouds their beliefs uh, about their heavenly father, and the ways that that clouds their heavenly beliefs about their heavenly father, the best thing I know to do is revisit uh, the truth from scripture again and again and again, I did that as I sat in my car and cried, trying not to let my friend's rejection define me and ruin my day. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. He has a plan for my life, set in motion from before time began. I am in Christ and God welcomes me to come before him boldly and confidently. It says, because I am now wearing Christ's robe of righteousness, He has blessed me in Christ with every spiritual blessing, adopted me as his own, and lavished his grace on me. He has a good plan for my life and good works planned for for me to accomplish in him. So I'm gonna hold it here, guys, and I'm gonna get right back to this article. Actually, this is the end of the article, but I have another. He says, um, or she says, these are the truths that enable me to dry my tears, get out of my car, and go on with my day. Uh, I mean, go on with my day, still hurt by my friend, but not defined by it. Perhaps most profound of those truths enabled me to reach out to that same friend the next week. And you know what? We had a reasonably nice time. Uh, that had me thinking, perhaps. I had read too much into the previous interaction. Affirmation and identity are powerful things. There's not much in the way of affirmation and identity that can sustain us long-term, especially through painful rejection. But the affirmation from our Father in heaven gives us an identity that endures. Call, Call on it in such moments It's quite powerful. So I like what that sister had to say. So, you know, um, wherever I said to go, guys, go to, because I can't remember right now where I said to go. Uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Oh, yeah, Sister Sarah just sent to me. This is uh, interesting. She says, Jay-Z was born in 1969, a 12 year difference from Beyonce. She was born in 1981. So, you know, that's not that bad. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, you can kind of see why of all the young rappers that were close to her age, she chose him, you know? But anyway, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong. All right, Mary was young and Joseph was old, but you know, It's all about what's in your heart, okay? What God puts together. So it's not a thing of age, but we're just saying some things can be a result of simply being rejected, having daddy issues, letting men walk all over you, okay? And even men desiring to be women. The effeminate man has daddy issues. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's where I said to go. Thank you, Sister Tatiana. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let's look at verse one. Oh man, 1 Corinthians 11 and one, he says, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you brethren that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. So this is the divine order. The head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. Anything outside of that divine order, okay? Because if Christ is a man's head, he's not gonna treat a woman like garbage, okay? And we're gonna get into that too, but I'm just bringing forward the point. This was God's plan. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head but every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. I also guarantee you guys this much. For as many women, so-called pastors out there like Joyce Meyer, Paula White and how Juanita Bynum and all those other women that are out there guarantee you they have daddy issues. Because they had no dad, because they felt rejected and alone, because they would not submit to proper headship. You'll find in many cases those women will raise up full of the Jezebel spirit and desire to take over a church. Why? Because my dad left me and I'll never be that way again. I'll never be unprotected again. And you see, when Christ is not a man's head and a man and a father is not heading over his children, that Jezebel's spirit will seep in and say, don't worry about it, I'll take you from here. Great point, Sister Tatiana, Proverbs 31. I actually have that tonight, but I don't know if we have time to cover it. But it says, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. So as you can see, the woman's covering is the man. The head of every man is Christ. So man was made in God's image and God's likeness. He's the glory of God. Why? Because it's how God expresses himself through a man. But the woman is the glory of the man, for out of Adam's rib, he made, he brought forth the woman. And Adam said, this is bone of my bones. This is flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from a man. So as you can see, Adam was made in God's image and likeness. God didn't find Adam in a, in a bar, or a bar stool or some whoremongering low life and said, let me duplicate you, no. Adam was full of God. And what God did was take a rib from Adam and build him up or build Eve and what he wanted to do. And what did the devil do? He went to Eve to destroy and to corrupt the divine nature. And that's what you're seeing today. There are a lot of scared girls out there. There are a lot of so-called divas out there that are just scared little girls with no father and no covering. I'll tell you one thing, man, my sisters, one thing I can say, and this is not, um, you know, speaking in self-righteousness, but one thing I will say about them with all they endured and all they went through, my sisters were not the type to let any man run over them. They may have a different story as to why, you know, that was the case, but I totally believe it's because they knew that you know, they had a father. My dad would put the fear of God in them when it came to dating. My dad was so serious about dating that he would tell us when we brought a girl home or a guy home or whatever, my dad would say, this is just a friendship thing. This ain't no relationship thing. And I'm talking about, man, we're in our teens, okay? My dad said, man, this ain't no relationship thing. You guys are friends. And this is how it's going to be. I saw my dad one day, because he found out my sister had a phone number from some boy in school. My dad said, he told the boy right in front of her, hey, you know what? She's too young for this. You rip up her number, and she's going to rip up yours. This is before cell phones, guys. And that's why I believe one of the reasons the devil brought that was because the devil himself wanted to destroy families. He wanted to find a way in through the back door, to bring about corruption. But my dad even told me, I remember I was 17 going to a barbecue and there was a girl that I liked from school. And I said, dad, she's gonna be coming, you know, and everything. And you know, I want you to meet her. My dad said, that's cool. He said, but I hope you know, this ain't no relationship thing now, is it? And I was like, oh no even though it was, but I was like, you know, scared to tell my dad because of the fact that he wanted us to be brought up right. He wanted us in that place of, I don't want you out there too early so that some dude can run up on you and do things to you. And my dad had talks with my sisters and I, he would say things like, you know, hey, if you let a guy touch you in your private places and all that, and you're not married to him, guess what? He's going to think that he owns you. He's going to try and run your name through the streets. He's going to try and do this and that. My dad was always pumping that stuff into our minds. Why? Because he wanted to keep us right. Now, did I listen all the time? No. Did I go out and allow the devil to be my head because I refused to fall up under the headship of my dad? Absolutely. But the bottom line is, I could not truly be a man until Christ. Became my head. And he's still working on me. He's still taking things from me. He's still doing things that need to be done. A woman has a lot of confidence in her father because she recognizes male headship. Pastor Price said this for years that true women, a true woman of God, understands a male authority and she will respect male headship. You know why? Because she's not seeking to fight with him, she's complete unto herself. So you see the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. And that's where the divine nature was. The man was not made for the woman, but the woman for the man. So if we were made, okay, to govern, then men need to be right with women. Women need to be submissive to men. That is how God works. That's how it works. Because, man, there's nothing worse than seeing a girl being used up and abused by no good men. When I mean, this times, man, you see the woman is beautiful. And it's like, man, you don't need to take that. You don't need to go through that. You know, you need to, man, give your life to Christ. He can make you whole and bring you before one of his sons that will treat you like a woman of God. Let's look at Ephesians 1. I'm telling you what's destroying most women today and destroying families and doing all these things. No dad in a home. And some women may say, well, my dad was there. But you know what the truth of the matter is? Even if he was there, he probably was there, but not there the way you needed him to be. Not intimate with you in that sort of way where I can go to dad for everything. Because sometimes being a dictatorial, you know, scary dad is not that good either all the time. Why? Because then your kids will be afraid to tell you something when they've got a real issue. So you see, you need that nurturing and that gentleness that a father can give. But you know, it is good to be a lion too, and a provider and a protector for your family. Okay? But when this is lacking in the home, man, I'm telling you, the devil will rake women through the coals. He will rake men through the coals, why? Because they have no affirmation and identity. They have not been affirmed. They do not know what direction they wanna head. And I don't even know who I belong to. So I may as well belong to the next low life whatever that tells me he loves me, even though he doesn't have my best interest at heart. That's what we're dealing with. Look at Ephesians one, look at verse one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed, uh, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now you see, hopefully this teaching will bring more emphasis because one of the things that makes me think about when the Bible says, when Jesus says, I believe it's in Luke six and in Matthew five, be ye perfect for your heavenly father is perfect. Be ye perfect as your father is perfect. You know, that's God saying, You know, be like me, come up a little, come up higher, be holy, be sanctified, be what I'm calling you to do. Don't you know that you're a daughter of a king? Don't you know that you're a son of a king? That's a beautiful thing when Jesus can boldly tell us, be ye perfect for your heavenly father is perfect. What does that tell us? That you and I can be perfect. The devil wants whores that he can use and he can abuse and he can throw away, but our God intends to reign with his bride. He wants his bride by his side. He's going to give them rule. He's going to give them power. He's going to give them authority. He's going to give them a robe of righteousness, and he's going to take away the reproach of all sin because that truly is the God that we serve. That's our Father. Look at verse 5. Having predestined us. Unto the adoption of children. This is what God did ahead of time. He predestined us. Does this mean that, you know, we don't have any free will, that we're once saved, always saved? No. Look at the word predestinated. This is God's plans ahead of time. That's just like predestination is like reservation. I can pick up the phone and say, I want reservations to ringside tonight. Yeah, okay. All right, thank you. Yeah, how many people are there? Yeah, about five or six, what kind of table we want and everything else. Yeah, a, a window seat would be preferable, thank you. And hang up the phone. Now, if I don't meet my reservation, okay? Well, if I decide not to go, is that reservation still there for me tomorrow? And I have plans today? No. So this is what it means by predestination. God has planned heavenly places for his children, for his people, but you and I don't have to choose to go. You know, someone can hand me a card to a fancy restaurant and say, hey, I want you to be there tonight. But if I rip it up and say, I'm not going, I mean, well, they have predestined me to be able to make it, but I didn't make it simply because I didn't want to. So this is God having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. He chose us by Jesus Christ to himself according to his good pleasure of his will, unto his will. God wants to adopt us. Look at the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he have made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace." So This is what God wants, accepted in the beloved. You've been accepted in God. You don't need validation from man. You don't need acceptance from men. You can walk with God. That's a beautiful thing that it doesn't matter who accepts me on the horizontal, but he who is vertical, he who sits on the throne in all power and majesty has approved of me. I'm telling you, girls, that grow up without fathers or fathers in the home that are there to tell them the things that they need to do. I know the pain in your life. I know what that is like, okay? Because I've seen it. I've grown up next to the crackhead mothers and stuff like that. I've grown up when, when girls' mothers are home all day and out in the streets. I've known the stories of kids who are ashamed of their parents because my dad was a whoremonger through the whole neighborhood. Well, you know what? The ax has been laid to the root of the tree, okay? We can be adopted by Jesus Christ. The old nature of Adam can go away and we can truly be born again and give things over to Christ and start our lives over just as if we have never sinned. Man, this is the best deal going on to be accepted in Christ. And you know what your heavenly father will do? When you're ready, when he's cleaned you, when he's sanctified you, he's going to bring you to one of his sons and he is going to marry you if he sees fit. But you know what? That's another thing that there won't be a whole lot of emphasis on. When you are accepted in the beloved, you know what? Everybody may want to be married, but it ain't really that much a deal to you. What? because you know God up close and personal, because he lives in you, because you seek his approval. You're not really thinking about it one way or another. Lord, if you marry me, you marry me. If you don't, you don't. But one thing I know for sure is you're my head, you're my father, you're my daddy. You provide, you protect, you redeem, you affirm and you identify giving me your name that I truly am a child of the Most High God. That's the most important thing that we need to worry about, guys. So here, being accepted in the beloved is what we should be seeking after because if Jesus Christ validates me, then, man, I'm not worried about the world. I'm not worried about friends. I'm not worried about being a part of the end crowd, okay? I'm following my Father who lives in me and speaks to me. Let me go to another place real quick. Um, Proverbs 31 woman, man, she's an awesome woman, but it's so much to go through. So guys, when y'all get the chance. Now, you know what, we need to speak about what is good. Let's go to Proverbs 31. I just got convicted with that one. No, you need to go to what a woman of God looks like. Proverbs 31. Oh man. Let's see. Let's look at verse 10. Proverbs 31, guys, look at verse 10. He says, who can find a virtuous woman? Look at the word virtuous. This is age twenty-four twenty-eight, And it means a woman of strength, might, efficiency, wealth. Now, when it says wealth, it doesn't mean rich, okay? It means rich towards God. It means full of abundance, not lacking in God. So it means strength, ability, efficiency, wealth, force, and army. Okay, so, you know, that word is chahil, and it means, or kahil, and it means strength. So a virtuous woman is a strong woman, not just strong physically, but she's strong in body, soul, and spirit. Pretty much Christ is in it. So let's look at this. For her price is far above rubies her heart uh, is her husband. I mean, the heart of her husband, sorry, doth, doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. So he would have no dis- need to desire another woman because she fills in the spectrum. But you see what they said about the woman that was, um, you know, of the world, one that had daddy issues. You notice how it said, that men would have trouble trusting her because she would go, she would come and go. The Bible describes her in Proverbs uh, chapter 5, talking about her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. She's this way one minute, that way the next. Why? No affirmation and no identity. She has no solid rock to rest in or trust in. But the virtuous woman says that her husband. He safely trust in her so much so that she has he has no need of going elsewhere. I'm not saying that will go for any man. This would have to be a man of God, because lust is the appetite of demons expressed through humans. Lust simply will make people desire after other things, not just you. It says she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like a merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while while it is yet night, and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. So this is a go-getter, okay? My dad would call these up-to-date women, okay? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a damsel in distress, but after a while, those things will start to weigh on you, you know? But if any man is truly a man of God, he's going to provide and look after his family. But the point I'm bringing here is this woman's a go-getter. My husband just lost his job. He's going through whatever my kids don't have. My husband's out there struggling, doing whatever. You know what? I'm gonna pick up the slack. I'm gonna take up sewing. I'm gonna do whatever needs to be done that my household will be intact. So it says in verse 18, she perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. Uh, She layeth her hands to a spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She reacheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy she is not afraid of the snow for her household for her for all her household are clothed with scarlet she maketh herself coverings of tapestry her clothing is silk and purple her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land she maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles Unto the merchant. So, one thing that this woman does, the virtuous woman, she makes her husband proud. You know, her husband, he's a man around town because everybody's looking and saying, That man has got a virtuous woman. I don't know what I got at home. You know, she's all right, my wife. But man, this woman is a woman of God, one that will please her husband, please her family, and don't try and go out and do this, ladies. This can only be done through relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, being born again in His Spirit, as He transforms you into the image of that which He made. Okay, I don't have a lot of time to go into that, but you know, this is just talking about her, some of her attributes. Okay, it says, look at verse, um, verse twenty-six. She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. So she's a busy woman. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. You know, some people would say a woman like this doesn't exist, but I'm here to tell you, just the other day, well, you know, sometimes I ride with a coworker to work, but at the end of the day, he comes and he picks up uh, his neighbor's kids. And I mean, these kids truly are a blessing. I mean, these these little kids are so cute, man. And so, because their dad's a missionary, so he goes out and he does all the things that he's got to do, you know, preaching or whatever. And the mom stays home with the kids, but these kids are so, so well-behaved. I mean, um, he told them because the kids, he was, he was telling me about, you know, needing a job or doing whatever. And the kids were like, what the girl said, you know, before I go to sleep tonight, I'm going to pray for you that you get the job that you want. Little kids with a relationship with the Lord. Man, if you take care of God's business, God will take care of yours. God will take care of your family. He'll see to it that you guys will always have. Man, that's that's the, the faithfulness and the truth that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Man, that's what it's all about. You raise your children in the ways of God. God's gonna go after them and get them. Even if they're unsaved right now, he's gonna call them back. But if you get about God's business, God will get about yours that's the beauty in walking with God. So, you know, I don't know the full story about the woman of the kids, the wife or whatever, but you know what? To me, she seems like a virtuous woman because those kids are so well behaved. I'm not saying a virtuous woman wouldn't have kids that can turn and the devil can get a hold of them too, but God's word is true. If we give things unto the Lord, you know, God will take care of every single need but it first begins with Romans 12, one and two. Now we beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then he tells you to be not conformed to the world, but to be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need God's perfect will, but it's not going to occur until we submit ourselves over to him, and we be where he wants us to, that he may fill us and work through us. Men and women alike, same story, it doesn't even matter. If Christ becomes your head, he will do what he wants to do in us. You know, I had another point too that I was going to make, and I, um, forgotten, you know, about, but I'll get back to it. But for the meantime, let's go to um, 1 Timothy chapter two. Because, you know, these words may cut deep, but you know, like me, when I'm looking for a woman or whatever like that in my life, man, I always hated the women. And I don't wanna say, hey, that's a strong word, but I've always like tried to stay clear of the women. That are always smiling in dudes' faces. Now, some people could say there's nothing wrong with being friendly, but you gotta understand this point. Imagine you being a husband, okay? And you go up to your wife's job because you're there to, you know, pick her up from work or to do whatever. And she's like smiling with the boss the same way she's smiling at you. She's not just in your face, she's in his face you know, Nate the envelope man down the street, you know, and, his, and just hanging over, just got to be accepted, have to be seen, got to be validated. You know, what would that make you feel like? Would you feel like that was your wife? Or would you feel like you were sharing your wife with everybody in the in the workplace? You know, and, and I'm not trying to paint pictures of uh, what you would call insecurity, but it's not insecurity. But there is a level of security that should take place in every relationship. Same thing with women. You go up to your husband's job and he's smiling in everybody's face, you know, calling them by their nicknames and doing all this stuff. How would that make you feel? Wouldn't that make you feel like, man, you know, like I thought that term of endearment was for me, but I find out he's giving it out to everybody. So, you know, as much as some men may not admit it, no man wants a woman like that. And there is no woman that wants a man like that. You know, there's a thing, there's nothing wrong with having friends, but man, a woman that wants to be validated a man, man, it's a pitiful situation to look at because it's like, I need to be seen. I need to be accepted. And that's what he was talking about. That's what they were talking about concerning the woman that, um, what does it say? The woman that uh, has daddy issues. They say she usually will seek lots of male attention. You know, and when you say, hey man, so you know, who's this dude? Oh, you know, that's that's just such and such. He's like a big brother to me. This one is a brother to me. That one is a brother to me. Oh, this one down here is like a father to me. What about your real brother? What about your real father? You need validation like that? But all this has to do with no affirmation, no identity. Seeking the attention of anything that is not the true God and Father, or the Father that you didn't grow up with, you know, and God is coming to fix all those things. He wants to make all things right, but we've got to give it all over to Him. All right, so look at First Timothy chapter 2, and let's look at verse 8. First Timothy 2, and look at verse 8. He says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath without wrath and doubting. He says in verse nine, in like manner also the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Look at the word modest. This is G two eight eight seven. He says, well arranged, seemly or modest. He says a decorous or of good behavior. So there's nothing wrong with looking good. But you know, don't be dressing men with your skirt up to your tonsils so that men can lust after you. Because if we're really the body of Christ, men shouldn't be lusting, but women shouldn't be advertising. Okay, so they should both be in a place of, hey, this is the Lord's house. I need to dress appropriately as a woman, as a man. I need to keep my eyes to myself or on my wife, or, you know, just in that right place it's a group effort. So he says, a modest apparel with shamefacedness. Look at the word shamefacedness. That word is a sense of shame or honor, modesty, bashfulness, reverence, regard for others, and respect. You want to know, ladies, what will really make a man come after you? And I'm not talking witchcraft, but how many times men have you seen that woman that's just throwing herself in your face and flirting and doing all that? Now, you may find her like, you know, someone that you can lust, you know, that may lust after and say, yeah, you know what, I could just be with her. But that woman, you know, the woman with the glasses or the woman that looks like the librarian, the one that's just doing her job professionally, not seeking attention, not going after this and that, Man, there's something about desperation in a woman that scares a man. There's something about desperation in a man that scares a woman. But a woman that is sure of herself, you watch men go and seek after that. They say that a man will seek after that woman feverishly. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Women shouldn't even be looking for their husbands. The men should be coming after you. But you see, if you're not affirmed, And you're not seeking God's approval, you're going to seek the approval from the outside. So, anyway, so, you know, it should be respectfully. Man, there's nothing, man, you meet a respectful, beautiful woman. Pastor Price talked about Grace Kelly and, you know, I believe he said Jane Mansfield and all them now. They probably were not morally good women. But the point he brought up is that those women at one point knew how to dress. They didn't need to butt, to booty shake or do whatever. Even Barbara Streisand, Pastor Price brought this point up that she could actually sing in an evening gown and be appreciated because of her voice. But Beyonce's got to twerk and do other things because she's got daddy issues. I'm not saying Barbara Streisand lived right behind the scenes, but when she came out openly, it was something to look at. Like man, you know. She really can dress. And they were like models for younger women to say, you know what? I need a little fashion too. I need to dress modestly. But you don't see that anymore. The example is the whore is sexy and she can be a whore in the workplace. She can be a whore at home. She can be a whore at work, you know, at at church or wherever. And that's seen as the diva, the woman, when really It's just a girl with daddy issues that has not been taught the ways of Christ or validated by a true father to say, baby, you don't got to do this. You're beautiful regardless. I love you regardless. You know, you can dress yourself up, look right, because I'm not after getting in your pants. I love you for you. And I truly want you to be with me. You see, that's different. When a man can actually stand up as a man and tell a woman where she needs to be, instead, men will lust after women and lay everything that should be said by the wayside. But you see, it's up to men today who are men of God that know the truth, that will tell women, you don't need to do this. You know, God loves you. You belong to him first and me second. And I need to walk in your ways. I need to be an example for Christ for you so that you can have respect for me. So he's telling these women, don't dress like this. He says, but be in sobriety, not with broided hair or of uh, gold or pearls or costly array. Don't dress like a whore pretty much, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now, we know that at this time, he was telling Timothy this because of the fact that Timothy was becoming a minister. He was talking about bringing order. He was not talking that women couldn't say anything in the churches. This is something that's been overrun. But why does this happen? Because you've got a lot of men too, With daddy issues. A lot of men that are not secure in self, they've got to fight for dominance and supremacy when really that there were women that prophesied in church. How can you prophesy in church and not speak in the church? You know, so there are things that God has set up for men and women, but they all need to be under God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord's divine headship. He says, for Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression, notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing uh, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness and sobriety. So, you know, it's good for a woman to be in holiness and to desire to be that way. You know, a godly woman is probably the most attractive woman you will ever see. Once you clean out your eyes with eye salve and recognize what a true woman of God is or a true woman is for that matter. okay. so let's look at uh, Pastor Price even told this story once, too, that there was a man with a bunch of women, you know, men and women hanging out. And it says that the women were cursing and the men were cursing like animals, saying all this stuff, just, you know, filthy talk. And Miss Price, Miss Barbara Price was um there, you know, or just passing through. And the guy said to the women and the men, you know, hey man, watch your language. There's a lady coming through here. And Pastor Price made it, you know, and, and this was so true. Pastor Price said, There were women there that were with him, but they're cursing like dogs. But when they recognized his wife was coming, hey man, watch your language. There's a there's a lady here. So you see, even a sinful man knows the difference. He may sleep with a harlot, but he ain't bringing her home to meet mom. Why? Because he knows in many ways what a virtuous virtuous woman truly is. You know, and God will see to it that you walk with that respect and that men will respect you. One more scripture I'm gonna go to tonight, guys, but in your spare time, read John 14 about God making his abode in us. Read uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 23 through 33 about how husbands and wives ought to act together. And the other articles I have, I will put in the description box. But for the meantime, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're gonna conclude from there tonight, guys, because there isn't a whole lot to say about this thing, but it's so important that we recognize on what side of things we are. A lot of us have been hurt. A lot of us have been damaged. But you know what? Our Lord Jesus Christ is a redeemer and he comes to put back that which was lost. Adam and Eve were made in God's image and God's likeness. And that's what God wants for the men and women today. I'm gonna have a teaching coming up on men too. This ain't just a woman thing. The men themselves need to walk in the ways of God and be made in his likeness. That's that's what it's all about you know, being made over. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he have, you know, um, anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to restore sight to the blind, to set the captives free, to open the prison houses, to heal them that are bruised, you know? So our God came to make us whole and make all things new. He says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. God is meant to make us whole, but you first need God as your Father and Jesus Christ as your Lord. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to close out from there. Amen. First Peter three, look at verse one. He says, likewise, ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be without the word, or they be also uh, may without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. also wanna make a point here in your spare time, read Titus two, one through five, about the older women should be teaching the younger women how to be. Just how there was no man in the home for some women? Well, godly women need to go to those women that have no morals, that don't know anything about serving God. They need to go to them and help them get on track and and know what's right. So this thing is all about headship. This thing is all about the divine nature of God, that it is spread from the elders unto the younger. I remember one day at the Soldiers of Light conference, I think it was the last day. Now, you guys know Pastor Price, he's a dapper dude. I guess if we had a church or whatever, I'd be dressing up too. I mean, I've got some dress clothes, but Pastor Price is a dapper dude. Okay, so, you know, he had on his blue um, blue dress coat, you know, and his cream white slacks and everything. He was dressed, you know, man was on point. But the funny thing was, um, when I say, hey, Pastor Price, you know, nice, nice suit. He said, yeah, you know, we got to show these young guys how to do it, you know. But it's the same thing for the women. They've got to show the young girls themselves how to be. Because there has been a disconnect. You find a lot of women, maybe, you know, 40 years, maybe a little over 40 years and older. And there's some younger women in their 30s and 20s that can dress too. But you find some of them will still keep their old style. And what it looks like to be a woman in the business place, a woman at church, a woman at, you know, wherever. You know, just when she's out and about, nice summer dress or whatever. But, you know, you'll find that they can still do it. But a lot of younger girls today, you know, a lot of them have had moms who are hoochie mama. So naturally they're gonna dress like their mom. They don't have a dad telling them, wait a minute, you wearing what? Man, you better take that mess off. I don't even know where you got that, and bring it back to the store. And you better put on something at least covering your knees. You know, <laughs> but but you see, when there's no dad, it even affects the way that you dress, the way that you do things. There's a lot of young women today that don't even know how to cook because they never had a mom teaching them those ways of being a wife or being a mother. You know, so. I ain't dumping on women and men. I can learn a few tricks myself. There were things that I need to learn that I am that the Lord is still working on me to do. But this is all about getting in line with what God wants. Okay, so anyway, he says, likewise ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. What does he mean by conversation? Not just speech. He's speaking of a lifestyle. You see, when there are virtuous women on the scene, they don't just take care of themselves. It can be seen that, you know what? That's how I need to dress. That's what I need to do. This is how I need to be. Look at verse two. While they behold your chaste conversation. You see that? Your chaste lifestyle. Your lifestyle that glorifies the Lord. It says, coupled with fear. So the fear of the Lord should be present. The fear of the Lord should be in that place where you can say, you know, man, this person, why are you like this? Why do you dress like this? How come you don't curse? How come you don't go out drinking with the, with everybody else? And they say, well, you know, I love the Lord. I fear the Lord. The Lord tells us that this is how we need to be. That can win a great many souls if we just stop pretending to be something and truly outwardly be that thing so that people can glorify God. But we're so worried about our reputation, we'll try and fit in with the group. All because we've got daddy issues. Look at verse three, who's adorning. Let it not be of uh, that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on the apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible. So he's saying, don't try and be righteous, be righteous. Be full of the spirit, be born again, okay? Um, Not which not, uh, which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. A lot of women feel like in order for me to, you know, finally get a man's attention, I've got to bark him down. I got to go toe to toe with him in the street, chest to chest, toe to toe, blow for blow, because I need to show him that I'm a strong woman. You wanna show a man that you're a strong woman? Have him give you exactly what you need. Because the Bible says that that is of great price, okay? So it's great price to be a meek and humble woman that follows the Lord. Look at verse five. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. So when time passed of old time, this is how the women conducted themselves. This was a woman of God. He says, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement." So you see, Sarah was an example for women that she even called Abraham Lord. She reverenced her husband, she loved her husband, she obeyed her husband, why? Not because it's what she wanted to do, but she had fear of the Lord, okay? So he says, likewise ye husbands, uh, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So a man who does not love his wife or honor her as the weaker vessel, your prayers can be hindered. So if you do things in God's order, things will be fine. I saw an old video. Actually, somebody might've put this on some website. I think it was from some group that I don't even want to mention, but they had the right idea. There was a picture of an old man with his old wife, and they didn't have, I guess, any more room in the bleachers. So this older guy, um, he uh, kneeled down in the mud, in the rain, and had his wife sit on his lap, and they were watching the football game. That's giving honor to your wife as the weaker vessel. You know, when you can even hear her run her mouth and you be, woman, I ain't got time for that, man. I got stuff to do or whatever. You know, when you honor her as a weaker vessel knowing, man, all she could do is run her mouth. She can't physically beat you up. You know, man, she's my wife. You know, let her calm down, whatever. She'll come back acting like she's normal. But a man that's got to raise up and grab his fist and beat a woman to the ground, that's a man that's not confident in himself. That's a weak man. He's not honoring her as a weaker vessel, he's honoring her, I mean, he's looking at her like you're a potential threat, okay? And I think both couples, I mean, both parties should have their hands to themselves. He says, likewise ye husbands, okay, look at verse eight. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful and be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrary was blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto, called that ye that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips, that they speak no God. Let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So as you can see, just how God is a father. And you see, some of us swear that God loves some of us more than others. God don't have favorites. The example of why it may appear that God loves some more than others is this reality. The kids that hung around mom and hung around dad simply because they wanted to. They were obedient to what mom and dad told them to do. Okay, they they learned a lot from mom and dad, some wisdom, maybe knowing how to cook, maybe just spending time with them because that child wants to. Because that child wants to spend time with mom or dad, that opens the parent up to be able to give more grace and more love and more favor and more time to that child okay? Because you see this. If anybody's got siblings, you know I'm telling the truth. How many of us have accused our parents of loving one of us more than the other? But that, But every time you see that kid or when the parents ask you, hey, you going with us fishing? Oh, no, nah, I'm going I'm, to I'm stay home or whatever. Oh, okay. So, hey, are you uh, coming with me to the mall? Oh, uh, my friends actually called me and I'm going to be going out with them. So don't get mad when your brother or sister is hanging out with mom, might've even got something back from the mall because they spent time with mom, because they love mom and dad, because they wanna be around them. They give their parents a chance to say, you know what, man, let me do this for you because you're such an obedient child. I told you to clean up and I told your brother and sister the same thing, but you know what, you cleaned up. You're an obedient child and because of that, I can work with you. But the children that you told to do it, they want to play around, not want to do what was supposed to be done. It's going to look like to those kids. Well, why are you always doing stuff with him? Well, I invite you both, but only one of you wants to spend time with me. What am I to do? If you draw near to your father, he will draw near to you. It says here that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now, as a parent, you don't love your children any different, but, you know, the obedient one makes makes life a lot easier, don't they? The one that is willing to obey, you know, you you, you got a special favor with them because you can trust them. It's the same thing God wants to do with us. He says, and who is he? that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good. So who can harm you when God is your father if you follow God which is good? He says, but but and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Another reason why girls with daddy issues will be with just about anybody is because it's the fear of not being loved, seeking identity, not wanting to be alone, wanting somebody to just give them a chance. You don't have to walk with that fear of God as your head. You know, a lot of girls go out with gang bangers, murderers and thugs, because that man, because he's a thug, makes me feel protected. If I let him beat on me from time to time, do things to me and all this different stuff to me, You see, but at least I'm protected. Even though I'm beat up, he still wants me. You see, this is how messed up it can be when we've got daddy issues. You are seeking favor from someone who doesn't even care about you. You see, but God, who is a father, not only does he care about you, he loves you. He will do anything for you. He gave his son for you. And best believe, if you are one of his, He will meet every single need. You don't have to grovel at the feet of some man. You don't have to kiss butt in hope that a man will pay your bills or your rent. God is a father and he is, you know, faithful and true. If he said it, he will fulfill it, but it's whether or not you believe it. And you know what? If you've got a dad out there that you've run away from and you've done wrong to, then get it right with him. Get it right with him. Because one of my oldest sister and my dad, they used to butt heads, but you know what? They're pretty good friends now. And their relationship has grown because Derek Prince said this, and this is what we're gonna be talking about tomorrow night. Derek Prince said that, you know, If you don't, if you get saved and find Jesus Christ, even if you live to be 150, he says you will not have it well in this life if your relationship is bad with your parents. If you've been a rebel and your parents have been good, praying for you, doing things, man, get right with him. Go back home. Make it right. I'm not saying you got to agree with their sinful lifestyle, but the Bible says honor thy mother and thy father which is the first commandment with promise, that your days may be long upon the land. If we submit ourselves unto God, God will meet every single need and he will affirm you, he will identify you, he will redeem you and he will make you whole." So I just wanna say to people with that, I love you. I'm not bringing up daddy issues to try and hurt anybody, okay? Perhaps I may have some daddy issues of my own. When God was not my father, I know what I was. And now that he is my father, he's got to spank my butt. He's got to take me places from time to time. He's got to grab me from my ear and peeking into the whorehouse. Anybody who's a Christian knows what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a physical whorehouse. I'm talking about from time to time, if you don't subdue this flesh, that you will find yourself Seeking after worldly things. But the Bible says, let me go to this one spot, and I'm going to close from here. Okay, this is just two two or three lines. Let's go to Hebrews uh, 12. Hebrews 12. Let's look at verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Look at chastening, G3809. That word means the whole training and education of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals and employs for this purpose now commands the admonitions like the warnings, now reproof and punishment. It also includes the training and care of the body. Whatever in adults also cultivates the soul, especially by correcting mistakes and curbing passions. Instruction which aims in increasing virtue, chastisement, chastening of the evils uh, with which God visits men, For their amendment. Okay, so it says disciplinary correction, chastening, chastisement, instruction, and nurture. So that's why God chastens us. That's why He spanks us sometimes. But He says that we not faint when we are rebuked of Him. So accept the chastisement. Lord, you're right, and I was wrong. Lord, forgive me. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth, whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? So if you're going to be a child of God, you know, he's going to take away those those daddy issues. He's got to spank your butt. At times, he's got to take away the poor parenting that some of us have grown up in. Or many of us. He comes to complete the spectrum. Okay, honor your parents, but I am God and your Father. I'm here to make you whole. So, whose son is he who uh, God chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Look at the word bastards, illegitimate bastards one born not in lawful wedlock, but of a concubine or female slave of, of uncertain affirmity or affinity, sorry, a spurious or illegitimate son, a bastard. Now, God does not want us to be bastards. He wants us to be sons and daughters of him. What does he say in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter, uh, 6, uh, verse uh, 18? He says, uh, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you and you will be my sons and daughters and will be with me forever. So as you can see, God is looking for sons and daughters, not children of the devil. Well, he wants them if they will repent and come to him. But God wants children. God is a father. James 1 even says that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. If you truly want to be made whole and made right, let God be your Father. Okay, look at verse 9. Furthermore, uh, we have had fathers of our flesh, which correcteth us. And we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. So when you're on punishment and your parents are spanking your butt, that don't seem joyous man, I'm in trouble again, I got my butt beat, I'm just so sick of this, I wanna move out. He says, but grievous, nevertheless afterwards, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So as you can see, God spanks our butts from time to time to grow those peaceable fruit that we may have the organic growth in Christ that we may be like him. And I do not have my book near me, okay? But guys, you wanna get the Organic Gospel book, okay? By Pastor Price and Maisha Hunter. The book is thirteen ninety five. dollars You can get it at www.theorganicgospel.net because you can't try to be a virtuous man or a virtuous woman. You can't try to let God be your father. You've got to submit to him and let the organic growth of God take place in you. That will chasten us, that will show us our sins, that the Holy Ghost will let us feel guilt from time to time and condemnation and shame, not to be beat down, but to build us up that we may never commit the sins that we are committing. That's God's thing. He doesn't want you to be a bastard. He doesn't want you to have daddy issues. He wants you to be a son and daughter of God. He says, be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. For without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So I just wanna say with that to those out there, if you know you're not saved and nobody knows this more than you, give your life to Jesus Christ today while there is time. Repent of your sins, turn from your wicked ways, allow the Lord to work with you, submit your body as a living sacrifice, believe that he died for your sins and he's coming back for a church Without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. Believe that, you know, if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse you and I from all unrighteousness. So I just want to say to that, brothers and sisters, I love you. Get baptized, spend time with the Lord, and truly find out what it is to be to have a father, a true father, a father to the fatherless. Okay? And you know, he's even a husband to those who are widows. That's the God we serve. We are to be married unto Jesus Christ until he's ready to marry us off. And you watch the blessings take place in your life, just as the Lord our God says that he would do. So let's pray, guys, and we're going to go out from there. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God that is able to save our souls. Right now, Lord, we just thank you for this moment that we get to be with you, that we get to learn of your word, that we get to give our lives over to you, that we get to have our minds and our hearts and our ears open to seeing the corrections and the things that need to be placed, that that need to take place for us to be righteous seeds of our Father. And I just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name for our sister, Tara, Lord, I pray that you bless her family, that you keep them strong. And I ask, Lord, that you have mercy on her sister. And I thank you, Lord, for Brother Michael Adams, Lord, and everything going on with him. Even this guy, John Watson, that I'm supposed to debate soon, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, watch over this individual, Lord. Let him see that you truly are a father. And I pray that you watch over him and his family. And I thank you for Sister Tatiana, thank you for Sister Teresa, Sister Naima, Sister Latoya, Brother Binge, Brother Rashid, Brother Sam, Brother Martin, Sister Deborah, Sister Laura, Sister Melissa, Lord, I ask that you watch over her and her children, Lord, that you provide for them and that you give them everything that they'll need. Sister Sarah, Lord, who's been a soldier for you that is doing things according to your will. I just thank you for all those brothers and sisters out there all those, Brother Rock T, Brother uh, Greg in Italy, Pastor Price, Sister Barbara, ask that you watch over them in their ministry, Lord, that you help them grow, help them to be fruitful. Let all pastors out there, let all fathers out there, let all husbands out there truly be men of God that will govern families, that all these things will be done. I thank you, Lord, for my own dad, that you bless him, that you watch over him, that you take away the things, Lord, that uh the, the the tumor that's on his eye and the things that he may struggle with in his life. I just thank you for all those fathers out there, Lord, and I thank you for all that you do and all that you will continue to do for you are faithful and true. Brother Jeremiah, Lord, I pray that you watch over him. Sister Naomi, Lord, just so many, so many of the body of Christ. Brother Timotheus, Brother Wes, Lord, let all these things be done for your glory and honor place a special anointing, Lord, on all those who listen in, all those on the Omega ministry team, all those from Sound the Trumpet Ministries. I also ask that you watch over Sarah, who's struggling with brain cancer, Lord. I pray that you continue to work on her and do what needs to be done. Let all these things be done, Lord, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I just want to thank you guys for being on tonight. Tomorrow night's teaching will be called Sins of the Fathers, and that will air at 7 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Eastern time. We do have a Facebook uh, page now for the ministry. And, you know, I'm not one who cares a whole lot about Facebook. Okay, so that's not my thing, really. Even when the Kanye West thing came out, I didn't even mention it to somebody mentioned it to me because I don't care about it. I mean, if we can't see clearly that Kanye West is not a Christian and we call ourselves Christians, man, what what are we? I mean, what are we doing in this thing? We got to draw closer to God so that we see what true men are, what true fathers are. Okay, so I just want to say with that, don't forsake your prayer closet. or minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundtheTrumpetMinistries.com. Who else was on tonight? I don't know. I just like to you know, acknowledge people. My sister Dawn and her husband Randy, he's made a full recovery and I thank you for them and all their support for this ministry, you know, and and other ministries. We just thank you for your support, guys. Sister Latoya, you know, thank you for her. She was on tonight also. Uh, Let's see who else. Brother Daryl, Sister Teresa, thank you for them, Lord. Sister Naima, And I just want to say with that, I love you all at least until tomorrow night. Have a good night. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?